From Audio Boom comes Covert, a new podcast that delves into the murky world of spies, soldiers, and top secret military operations. I'm Jamie Rennell, and together we'll discover the real stories of history's greatest classified missions, told by the operatives, soldiers, and journalists who experienced it firsthand. Follow Covert on Spotify or subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite shows. Welcome to Travel First with Chris Coleman and Alex First. Greetings and welcome to another edition of Travel First, a bit of a bonus edition. We're doing this one a little bit earlier than we had originally planned, mainly because right now airfares between Australia and the United States are absolutely dirt cheap. Alex, first, it is always a pleasure to join you and have a bit of a chinwag about what's going on in the world of travel. Well, likewise, Chris, and although we've been doing a lot of talking about Europe and the special treats that you have by going over there, it's now time for us to sort of deviate a little bit only because you've not long ago returned from a trip to the United States. And one of the things that I remember doing is going to the theme parks. So I just wanted to ask you about that, whether for a bloke of our age, I mean, we're, we're, we're sort of, we've got a few decades under our belt, whether it's an experience that you need to have with a child or whether you should do it by yourself and with children or whether you should do it separately? What, what's, your, what's your experience? Is it, is it a different experience if you're just sort of going as adults or is it very much the same as if you were... Are you just a big kid at heart? Now, I've done over the years many theme parks, some by myself, some with the kids. The Australian theme parks, like the Gold Coast and the, and the, the former theme parks in Sydney, are great to do with the kids. Uh, if if uh, and look when you're in your twenties and even your thirties, the rides are great. I'm not so much of a roller coaster person now, uh, mm. and so when we say theme parks in the states, um, we, we'll spend a full episode of Travel First on on Disneyland at California and Disney's California Adventures. There's now two theme parks there, and believe me, you might think half an hour on that, it warrants it because it's amazing what the Disney people are doing. Also, now I had 16 days in America. I wasn't going to spend every day going to theme parks. We decided after much thinking about where were we going to go, we tossed up when we were in L.A. Option one was to go to Universal, which is a combined theme park and movie studio. Mm-hmm. Or option two for us was to go to Warner Brothers. Now, Warner Brothers is not a theme park. Warner Brothers is an organised tour of a working movie studio. And in the end, we thought, well, theme park with rides and so on and uh, incorporating the movie studio tour or a movie studio tour. And in the end, after talking to a few people, they said, look, you can go to Universal and you'll have a great time there. If you pay the regular entry fee, you're going to spend a lot of time waiting in queues for rides. You can upgrade while you're there and get front of line for some or most of the things. But... As we've discussed, I'm in my 40s now. I'm more interested in the movie magic than the thrill rides and and the shows that feature characters, you know, played by actors you don't. You, you get where I'm coming from? Yes, I do. You know, I remember years ago going to Universal. I had a great time there, by the way. I, I won't say it was a bad place to go. I had a great time when I went there in the late 90s. Uh, I will admit I was there as someone else's guest 
So mm-hmm. someone else was paying there. We had the VIP treatment, which meant we bypassed the queues for every ride all day long. We had a more intimate version of the studio tour, which was great fun. But something I remember, like the Blues Brothers, you remember Blues Brothers 2000? Yeah, sure. Right. They had a Blues Brothers 2000 show there at that time. And I just thought it was odd. You went and it, it, now, sure, you're not going to have uh, who was in that Dan Aykroyd and John Goodman. You're not going to have them there, but it was just a little bit odd having that kind of a show. You get where I'm coming from? It wasn't big names in the show. So it was big name characters, but not big name shows. But having said that, had a great time there. Um, so we're not going to focus as much here on rides because there aren't any at Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. But there are more differences as well between the Warner Brothers Tour and the Universal Tour. If you go on the Universal Tour, uh, you're going to spend basically your entire or your entire tour almost entirely on the tram. You're not going to get off. And the tram is a big, long thing with several cars joined together. Warner Brothers, it's about 11 or 12 on the tram, and you're on and off fairly regularly, and you're also given a lot of information in both tours about what films and TV shows have been shot where you're working. So, so that's sort of the comparison if you want... Movie studio for some of your day and theme park rides, go and do Universal. If you want the movie making, the TV show making experience, um, I would really, really strongly recommend the Warner Brothers Backlot too. I had a great time on it. How long do, How long does it take to actually go through? I'm glad you asked that. The, 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 the VIP experience, as they call it, about 62 American. You can, you, can get, you can get deals from time to time. That's a good two hours of guided touring plus mm-hmm. a couple of exhibits at the end that you guide yourself around. And then, of course, there's the mandatory shop at the end as well. So allow, uh, that, that, you allow at least three hours there. For mine, that's pretty good value. Yeah, so 62 US, 62 yeah? US, yeah. Now, my wife and I, just as an indication, we spent just a tick under four hours on site all up, and we probably could have spent another half an hour there. But we decided, no, we've got to move on and do other things. We wanted to actually see... Funnily enough, the neighbourhood. So we went for a big oh, long okay. walk through Burbank afterwards. Nothing there. Um, but we'll talk okay. about that later. Now, if you want to spoil yourself, and I reckon next time we go to the States, I might do this, 295 US, you get the deluxe experience. Now, that gives you access to additional locations, things like the Foley artists, the sound effects creators, uh, the prop builders. You get to see some of them in action. Uh, and, and the Ideas Workshop, which they call The Mill, which is where a lot of stuff sort of starts as a concept and gets brought through to reality. Uh, That also includes a three-course lunch at the Warner Brothers Commissary Fine Dining Room, uh, as they call it. That is a full-day thing. That's five hours of guided tour plus the self-guided bit and the shopping component at the end. At 295 US, you've got to weigh it up. Yeah, because, I mean, 162 and one's 295. Yeah. Obviously, a three-course meal, you know, would would take a, a chunk out of that, but still... Tell me, do you think given, okay, so you're in your 40s, you had four hours there and then you had time to look around the neighbourhood. Are you pretty tuckered by the end of your four hours? I mean, could you, if you had to spend a full day there, would that have been an easy do or would that you you think it it would be a bit too draining? If you're doing a holiday where you're just based in LA for, say, a fortnight, I reckon you'd do a full day there. I would do the full day thing. We were in LA for two three-day spells and we were trying to jam in as much as we could and bear in mind and and we've discussed this before la is massive Mm -hmm. it is miles and miles from places to 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 places uh so yeah well how far how far is warner brothers from downtown la from warner brothers from downtown la if you get a good run with the traffic it'll be about half an hour uh if you get a bad one you'll be an hour 
how do you get there? Do you get there by car, by taxi, by by public transport? What what are you? What's the best way? Four letters for you, Alex. U B E R. Uber yep. is massive. In so so Los how much? Okay. So how much does it cost? From were you staying in the centre of effectively the centre of of LA or where? Okay. For for our trip to uh, Warner Brothers, we were staying on Sunset Boulevard. Yes. And if you can stand by for a couple of minutes, I'll give you the exact price of our Uber trip because I'll look it up. Yeah, yeah, no problem. It was just an idea because you've got to, I suppose what I would do is you'd you'd add it to the price of your 295 or your 62. I mean, everything's going to cost you. If if you're willing to take on the rental car side of things, now... Mm. We didn't take on the rental car side of things while we are in Los Angeles because I wanted a couple of days to get used to uh, our um, uh, being in America, basically, being on the of wrong course. side of the road. So, yeah. yeah, so we didn't spend a lot of time there. Okay, I've just dug out our Uber receipt from Sunset Boulevard, Los Angeles, to uh, Burbank, California, to uh, Warner Brothers. It cost us uh, 4.88 miles. It cost us the grand sum of... Eight dollars and nine cents American. You're kidding! Wow. Yeah. But yeah. hang on, it's only four point eight. So you're only talking about seven kilometres. Yeah, yeah. From from where we were at Hollywood. Yeah. If you're staying downtown, you're gonna it's gonna be more expensive. You're gonna add distance onto on, onto it. All right. No, but that's I mean that's very very reasonable. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So look, let's talk let's talk about the experience you had and and what you really enjoyed about it. Okay. First up, book ahead of the day you want to go because they do allocate times there. Don't just turn up and hope you can get on a tour. Our tour began at 11.30. If you're paying, obviously, for the deluxe experience, you start earlier in the day. Our tour began at 11.30. You turn up and you check in, and we had time to get a coffee uh, from the on-site Starbucks that's waiting for you there. And here's the good news. You can take your coffee with you. (laughs) Very, very civilised. And I would also suggest buy a bottle of water, especially if it's a warm day. Burbank, 10 months of the year, the average temperature is 20 or above. So... It's going to be warm. Take a bottle of water with you. By the way, December and January, the average temperature is about 19, so it's not exactly icebox. So get yourself a bottle of water. And while you're waiting to go in, and this is why you get there a little bit early, you can check around the walls and they show some of the great films made by Warner Brothers. Do you know how many times a Warner Brothers fi- picture has picked up the Best Picture Oscar as of mm-hmm. 2016? Type, 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 type. Go on, find it. I am. Okay. I'm, I'm Warner Brothers Best Picture Oscar through the years, yeah. 23. 23 altogether, exactly. Some of them include Gone with the Wind in 1939, Casablanca in 43, Ben-Hur in 59, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest in 75, Chariots of Fire in 81, Amadeus in 84, Argo in 2012. And I reckon we saw something from every one of those a bit later on in the tour and more. So that's just before you go in. Once your tour group's called, there was about 35 people on our day. We were all ushered into, or for our session rather, you're all ushered into a small screening room. You get a video narrated by Ellen DeGeneres, uh, which gives you an introduction to Warner Brothers, uh, an induction if you like, and a quick reminder of some of the great TV shows and movies that have been made by the company. Then you're out to an allocated tour tram. So you split up into smaller groups and ours was 11 from memory. Before your tram moves off, your tour guide uh, asks, uh, asks the group if there are any particular shows you want to see something about and they will try and tailor the tour to fit as many of those requests as they can. Now, I said I am a massive fan of the West Wing and then we set off. 
Excellent. More about this to come. So mm. on the way in, you go past the historic water tower. You know the water tower with the big WB on it? Oh, yes. Yep. Yes, I do. You go straight past it. You get plenty of chances to take photos of it. You get told about the foundation of Warner Brothers, the acquisition of land. I won't tell that story, but our guide told us a great story about Jack Warner and Warren Beatty, who were, had a bit of an argument during the production of Bonnie and Clyde. Now, Jack Warner used to like to have meetings with people under the water tower, and he reminded them, who's the boss, by saying, whose name on the tower? Mm-hmm. And Beatty then said, well, they're my initials, Jack. He's got WB. Very good, yes. <laughs> little story. Uh, you then go through heaps and heaps of facades. The first one for us was the New York street scene, which has been used in dozens of movies uh, and hundreds of TV shows, including Friends, uh, movies ranging from Annie to The Last Samurai. Uh, we're taken through then and past many other streets and building frontages. There are actually very few buildings. There are so many facades, but very few buildings there. Then you go to a static display centre. Now, when we got there, there were some items from Batman versus Superman still on display. It was also only a couple of days after the Suicide Squad exhibit had, had opened. Now, that movie doesn't open worldwide until about August this year, so that will be on display at Warner Brothers for quite some time through into 2017, I would imagine. But you got to see costumes and props... Uh, and, and still photos uh, from the production of Suicide Squad. And I've got to say, Alex, looking forward to when you get the chance to review that for us on movies first. And I might have Likewise, to speak to it, a it session looks, of it. It looks delicious already because I, I've, I've seen the stills a few times and Margot Robbie, oh, boy, uh, if, her, if, if her name isn't big enough yet, wait for that movie to come out. Yeah, indeed. It's going to be a ripper. Uh, Will Smith's in it too, isn't he? Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, so that'll be Suicide Squad. So you get to see some of that stuff. Then you go upstairs, and it's a whole floor of Harry Potter memorabilia. Ah, I've done the Harry Potter tour in in the UK too. I might say, which was absolutely fantastic. That, of course, was an ex, a separate Warner Brothers tour that I did with my wife there, and it was one of the most professional. I, I'm not, I'm not a big Harry Potter fan in the sense that. I, I don't sort of uh, walk over hot coals and uh, if I hadn't seen one of the movies, my life would have still been complete. And yet it was just the most professional tour. It was absolutely magnificent and you got to see the sets and so on. And we spent oh, three or four hours doing that tour. So I, the, that's that's what really strikes me. I asked you at the very outset, Chris, whether this is something for kids or adults. I would say absolutely without any question of doubt both. No, indeed, indeed. Now, I'll, I'll get to who the, the Warner Brothers studio tour is aimed at later. I will say you do have to go at a fairly decent clip through this static exhibition area. Uh, you can, however, get your, yourself sorted by the sorting hat into a, a Harry Potter house. Laugh now, I was put into Slytherin. Ah, oh, very good. Yep. OK, yes. So, so yes. just call me Snape from here on. Um, but the one thing that really took me in here was the regard that the history of the stories is held in there. Uh, memorabilia from J.K. Rowling in the Potter display upstairs, uh, including you know, signed manuscripts and so on. Genuine first edition comics for each of the Justice League oh, characters wow. downstairs. So a Superman number one, uh, a, spider, wow. a, 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 a Wonder Woman number one. A Superman number one sold recently... For lots and lots of money, I think it was yeah. in the six figures. Yeah, worth a la- try seven, I think. Yeah, but yeah, worth a, worth a large fortune, not a small fortune. Now, on the day we visited, and this is the thing about going to Warner Brothers, 
there was a bit of action on the lot because the upfronts were happening. So there were TV executives from all over the place being shown previews of some of next season's shows. I saw a Batmobile out in the open. I wanted to get a photo of the Batmobile and I was told, no, 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 that's not the one you're allowed to photograph. It was the only time, I think, on the whole tour where they said we weren't allowed to take photos. Oh, what a show. By the way, I just looked it up. Yeah. A 1938 first edition Superman comic book sold for this would be US dollars, 3.2 million. (laughs) That's a lot of money. And they called it a near-perfect copy. That's, that's a lot of money. So if it was a perfect copy, it would have fetched more. Oh, you'd think so, yeah. You'd yeah, think there so. we go, yeah. yes. Uh, now, but that was, I, I stress that was the only time on the whole tour we were asked not to take photos. They're very happy for you to take photos most of the time. They do say sometimes no flash photography. For example, when photographing the, the first edition comics, and I took a photo of each of those, no flash photography allowed. So that was in there. Anyway, we, we're back on the tram. We're, we're going around a few more streets, and then our guide turned to me and said, you're the West Wing fan. Do you recognise that building uh, that we're in front of, or the facade we're in front of? I said, because I had absolutely no idea, I said, it looked familiar, but I can't place it. And she said, that one there was used as the embassy of virtually every foreign nation when they needed one in the West Wing. All they did was shoot from different angles and change the flags out the front. Is that right? That's how they did it. So a little bit of movie or TV magic there. Uh Nice touch, though, I thought, to make sure that I'd seen that and that was pointed out to me. But I didn't know at the time there was more to come, which we will get to. Uh, So we spent a few more minutes weaving around between many of the stages, the actual stage productions. And outside each stage... There's a large brass plaque which shows what successful productions have been made on them. The shows that only lasted a season don't rate a mention, but shows that ran for four or five years, or say Two and a Half Men, which ran for a dozen years, or Friends, which ran for about 15, they were, uh, they're all listed uh, outside the various sound stages in there. Uh, so you go past a few of those, and then we get taken to a bat cave. Ah, no surprise you. what's in the bat cave. Batmobiles, plural. Really? Okay. A bat boat, a bat bike, a bat signal, and you can again go nuts and take photos galore. Do we get a bat woman? Uh, no bat girl, no. No, no I, bat there might have been bat girl's bike. Okay, good. Yeah. Yes. But you can I, take photos I mean, galore in there. By the way, they've just released the new, this week, the, the past few days, the new Batman, bat, Batmobile uh, that's coming up in the, the next Batman instalment. So if you are into that sort of thing, you can Google it. Indeed, you can. Indeed, you can. Now, from there, we went on to the props department. Mm. Now, Alex, I know you love your movies, okay? I know mm-hmm. you're a big movie buff. You have to go to Warner Brothers and you have to do the props department. There is only one word needed for this. Wow. Complete with exclamation mark. It is a massive collection of items. Uh, it ranges from the odd, like multiple Neos from The Matrix. You know, remember the scene in The yep. Matrix trilogy where you, where you had 20 or 30 Hugo Weavings? Mm-hmm. They have half a dozen of them, all suited up, glasses and all, up on a shelf up there. Life-size Hugo Weavings. You see that. Uh, one of the chandeliers from Superman's Palace of Solitude. You go back to the original Christopher Reeve Superman movie, mm-hmm. the, the chandeliers that come down there, one of those. Uh, there's a squirrel from Johnny Depp's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And here was the best bit for me. Jed Bartlett's Oval Office desk and office from the West Wing. And, yes, I got to sit at the desk. And, yes, they took my picture, in fact, several pictures of me, on the red presidential phone. So that was a big highlight. And that's the stuff they do. They will make sure, if they can, that you get to see something that relates to the show you ask about at the start of the show. I wonder, I mean, you, you think about the number of movies that are made each year. If you just take the United States as one example, if you take India, then you can go to a whole other league. 
But I wonder how many. I mean, there's there must be such a lot of stuff that's collected. Would would most of it be thrown out? Would, well, the the, the props my... department shows show, is interesting because what it shows is how many of the props get used, return to the Warner Brothers prop department, and then they go out again the next year. People book them for a single episode or for a season and so on. Understand? Yeah. But, I mean, the storage is what I'm getting at. I mean, how do you the the, the amount of room it takes to to store all of this and I mean, if there's a new movie that comes out, you don't know at the time it's going to win an Oscar, right? And and suddenly it does and becomes huge. Then obviously, you know, whether it's a Peter Jackson sort of Lord of the Rings or whatever it may be, but even if it's a like Titanic, for example, I mean, I suppose you could have predicted that that was going to be you know, a really really great success. But there'd be a lot of smaller movies where nobody's terribly interested, and yet so- suddenly. It, it, it almost almost grows a life of its own. The point that I'm I'm getting at is popular culture is well and truly beyond a television show or a movie or whatever it may be. Maybe a play. These days, it's got a lot to do with obviously the marketing of the product mm. and then the, the the bits and pieces you pick up at McDonald's and you know the toys that you pick up and then you you go to the toy stores and then you buy more of that stuff. And then of course it's it's what you're doing. It's it's going along and to Warner Brothers and to the other studios and and seeing it for real it's so it's almost like you don't want to throw anything away and i just wonder how they handle that as studios i mean because otherwise you've got this never-ending constantly evolving amount of stuff well the, the props department that we got to see we only saw a fraction of it it extends over multiple floors uh multiple levels uh at warner brothers and yeah they they have basically everything there i reckon every movie i reckon the props would get kept for a certain amount of time anyway and then if they don't get used again or they don't get hired out i suspect they probably go further and further into the deep dark recesses or or go west i should have asked the question but i didn't think of it at the time well no no well there's a new movie uh, on our other podcast we'll talk about uh, movies first uh, everyone wants some and the the fascinating thing there is they were recreating the 1980s and they wanted to get as much stuff as they could to represent it, they found it really difficult to actually get the stuff. And they had to if they had to not so much remake something, but something that wasn't perfect, they had to sort of do do some work on to mm. get the level that they wanted to. And then they everybody wants some, they, they then want it, then they made copies of everything because things get damaged. So, I mean, for example... If you go into an i, if you go into an Apple store these days, and you want a, um, what were those? Oh, I've gone blank on the name of the device. You know the, uh, you, you can you can get an iPod Shuffle. Yeah. And you can get one other form of i, i. If you want an iPod Classic, you can't get one. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So I, I bought one of these things. Oh, probably ten years ago, which wasn't the Shuffle. It was the top of the line thing at the time, which which had a a screen that you could actually see what the song was, etc. I've got that still in its original condition in a box. And now, if you go on eBay, you'd probably be able to sell it for a fortune now because well, I, I had an iPod, a classic iPod, with the click wheel on the front and everything. Yes. Uh, and sadly, it has died now and, and I can't get the thing fixed because you can't get parts for it anymore. Really? Yeah. yeah that's, very, that's a real shame. I mean, okay, I go one step beyond that. In, in the days that I was a, a full-time radio journalist i there there were a couple of uh brands of tape recorder that we used to use to record interviews with 
you know, people in a live situation, right? When we took it back to the, uh, the newsroom and then we, we cut it up and we used them as news grabs. And I have no idea but a few year, why, but a few years ago, I thought, oh, well, it'd be nice to get one of those, just to sort of have one. So I looked on eBay and I bought this and it was XFBI. Now, I kid you not, it was, and it was brand spanking new, in the box, never been opened. So, I mean, half the time it's the history of these things that's as interesting as as, as the event alone. But I, I think it's very sad. Uh, in I mean, I, I, we're, I'm deviating as I usually mm. do. But, for example, in our home that I live in at the moment, it it wasn't new when we bought it. It's now, I don't know, 25 or 30 years years old. But um, we've been here for probably about 12 years. The interesting thing is, in a couple of the bathrooms, the you know how in most bathrooms the toilet and the toilet bowl and all that are, are, are sort of a white in colour. Yeah. Ours are not. One of them is a baby blue, and one of them is a pastel pink. And do you think you can buy the seats and so forth? In those colours today, you can't. Oh, you can't. It was it was a very specific era because I remember living in a flat in Melbourne in the eighties, which had uh, it was it was a, sort of a, a, a green. I can't describe the green, but it was it was an aqua mm. an aqua green uh, mm. ceramic toilet and and cistern. So you'd have a, a devil of a time trying well, to replace so, that. So I mean, so it costs a fortune, or you just have to accept that you, you, it doesn't match, and you put on a white white top if you need to but i mean it, to me it seems to it appears that they don't keep stuff for as long as they used to because redundancy is built into everything i mean runners every six months there's a new color <laughs> right they do that deliberately of course from a marketing perspective why do they have the latest iphones out every year you know and then then you know sometimes they don't even have a, a totally new model they they give it another initial these days all of those things I mean, the, the disposable society and we're, we're accumulating more and more, more more stuff. And yet we love the experiences. I mean, I, I love going to places like movie worlds and, and dream worlds and whatever and, and seeing these sorts of things. So, you know, especially if you've loved a movie, you'll see the movie over and over again. And then, you know, I mean, Abbey Road, right? I mean, how many people go to the UK and, and, you know, who are Beatles fans and don't want to seek out Abbey Road. And there are tours around it and all that sort of stuff. So it's become, arguably, the money's been made not just in the movies, but it's being made in, in, in the way that they run tours and, and the marketing thereof. So, I mean, you were, you were very much part and parcel of that. And I think it's only ever going to increase, not just while we're on the planet, but, but long thereafter, because there's this fascination that we have for created characters no that's for sure that's for sure mm. anyway i'll let you get on with it keep going yeah uh, so, so we oh yeah so we've, we've been through the props department and and again I, I think this is one of the differences between the the two-hour tour that we did and the five-hour tour that's the the deluxe tour i think you get to spend a lot more time in the props area and get to see uh further into uh all the props uh, that are on display so I, I think that's one of the differences i'm not 100 percent sure on that anyway then it was on to actual sets uh, on the day we went, we were taken onto the actual set of Pretty Little Liars. Now, got to confess, not a show I watch, but it's mm -hmm. one that several of our group uh, of 11 were excited to see and, and to get onto. And I think it's up to like its eighth season or something. So it's a very popular show with that uh, teenage girl, uh, maybe early 20s uh, female market. And yeah, and that was great. Um, 
and this is the bit where I have to say at this point, uh, tours of the Warner Brothers studio lot are going to vary from day to day, from week to week, because you are going to a working studio. So if, for example, they're shooting Pretty Little Liars, you, you might not get to see that, but you might get to see some stuff from the Big Bang Theory, which we got to see. Uh, you might get to see the set for Ellen's chat show, which we didn't. But again, with decades of history, if you're a movie buff or a TV lover, you're going to see plenty. And in all likelihood, you're going to learn a few things during the course of the day as well. Uh, so our guided tour finished a few minutes later than that. Uh, we were just a couple of minutes over the two-hour mark. And where they take you then is to the relatively new Stage 48 script-to-screen display. Now, this is the self-guided part of the tour. Warner Brothers say about an hour. It took us nearly two to get through it because I stopped and kept taking photos. Um, it gives you a look at the process of how a TV show or a movie is made. One of the first things you see, and I think we sort of touched on this earlier, Alex, one of the first things you see when you go in here is a pile of scripts. Now, it's actually piles of scripts at its tallest point, probably 10 feet tall. Mm -hmm. And hundreds and hundreds of scripts, and they're all ideas that never made it past the idea stage. So not only do you have to be good, you also have to be lucky. <laughs> you go from there, you get to see how some special effects are done, and this ranges from being able to pose for some high-tech CGI live-caption animation yourself. Uh, there's low-tech perspective trick tricks as well. And I've got a great photo of, of me sitting across the table from my wife. Now, I'm considerably taller than my wife, but because of the perspective... Ah. and the angle of the camera, they made her look about a foot taller than me. Than you. I just wanted to interrupt you there because one of the things that I used to collect being a reviewer, they they have production notes often about a movie, not all the time but sometimes, mm -hmm. which goes into behind the scenes and you know how they got to do what they were doing and, and what was the inspiration and, and so on and so forth. And they used to give that to us each time in paper form right? So I used to collect all of these. Now, bear in mind that I'm seeing 250 movies a year. I've been doing this for 30 years. You can imagine how much paper there was. And storing it is another matter altogether. These mm -hmm. days, you get it electronically. So it's a lot, you know, it's a lot cleaner for the environment. But I mean, there were some classic scripts there that I, you know, I wanted to keep. The problem is, again, storage. Where do you put it? Anyway, yeah, you, you, well, you make them into a big pile and then you say to Warner Brothers, I've got this pile. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes, thank you. Very good. Yeah. So, so you get to see all that and, and something that really blew me away, and as you know, I've, uh, I've been working in, uh, in radio for 30 years nearly this year. Mm. Uh, so I love playing around with sound. You actually get a great demonstration of sound mixing featuring a scene from Gravity. So they show you the scene oh. with no sound, then with just voices, then with just sound effects, then with the score, and they put it all together. Uh, and it is just incredible to see how that works. And I know you love the movie Gravity, uh, and it's very clever how they, they do that. And as a final touch, you get to see the Central Perk Cafe from Friends. Oh. You're allowed to walk in. You're allowed to sit down on the couch, hold a cup. They'll take your photo. They'll take your photo with your camera. They'll, sure, they'll take their own as well, so you can buy the, the professional shop, but they'll take your photo with your camera, which I think is really nice as well. Uh, and the couch, by the way, they went through several couches during the filming of Friends because they wore out because they were sat on so much. So you get, on, you get to sit on a couch from Friends. And they do give one other piece of advice there too. If you go to New York and... Anyone says to you, hey, do you want to go on a Friends tour of New York so that we can show you uh, where some of the stuff from Friends was shot? Don't go on it because none of Friends was shot in New York. It was all shot in Los Angeles at the Warner Brothers Studios. 
very up. Uh, now my life's complete. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying that for us. That is fantastic. Well, it sounds like it's a great trip. And for 62 bucks US, which is what, about 90 Australian dollars, yeah. I think you've got great value. So look, let, let's talk a little bit further. As, I mean, there's so much more that you've got to share with oh, us. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. But, but perhaps, perhaps we can save that for another special episode of, um, of our Travel First podcast. A couple of very quick tips to wrap it up. Uh, I reckon next time I go, I will lash out and spend the uh, the 300 US to do the deluxe tour. Mm-hmm. Try to go, if you can, during the TV production season. We were between seasons, so while there's activity on the lot, when the TV shows are in production, there's a lot more going on, and you apparently you often get to see actors waiting uh, between shots on that tour. This is definitely one for movie lovers. I would certainly recommend it for adults. I'd recommend it for teenagers maybe 15 and over. I reckon kids under about 15, their attention might not be captured as much as yours during the actual tour part but yeah all in all it is a it is a great fun day and i've got to say a massive thank you to 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 warner brothers for giving us the access to the tour so we can review it so we could review it here on travel first you've been listening to travel first for more like us on facebook and follow us on twitter subscribe to the full podcast at audioboom stitcher and itunes or your favorite podcast distributor This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com. From Audioboom comes Covert, a new podcast that delves into the murky world of spies, soldiers, and top-secret military operations. I'm Jamie Rennell, and together we'll discover the real stories of history's greatest classified missions, told by the operatives, soldiers, and journalists who experienced it firsthand. Follow Covert on Spotify or subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite shows.